Good morning and happy Sabbath, wherever you're worshipping today. I have a neighbour who has often asked me about my church. She called out to me one morning as I was getting in the car. Say a prayer at church for me, she yelled. I don't have to be in church to pray for you, I said. Some of the most spiritually moving experiences I've had have been outside four walls. While standing on the majestic blue mountains or walking in the mist on an icy morning, wading knee deep on a sun-drenched beach or being windswept on the headlands above seething, heaving oceans. I have felt his spirit while standing amidst the roar of a mighty waterfall or drinking in the hush of a bush chapel. But I've also felt his presence in the man-made structure of a mighty granite cathedral and a humble little sandstone chapel. God is everywhere because God is in our hearts. He is only a breath away. It reminds me of the psalmist who expressed it like this. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord who has made heaven and earth. He will not let my foot slip. His love and care will not falter for he is my keeper, my shelter and the rock under my feet. He will keep me from all evil, from the deadly diseases and natural disasters. In my going out, he goes before me and my coming in, he is still with me. I am shielded because I have chosen to make the Lord my place of safety. He will never leave me, so I'm not afraid. The angels are sent to surround me and bear me up. The Lord himself is my stronghold. God is everywhere. He is only a breath away. Jesus said that wherever two or three are gathered in his name, he will be with them. So wherever you are watching this morning, we want you to feel welcome and be part of our number as we worship our God and King. Good morning, church. It's, it's a great privilege to speak to you this morning. And this morning, I wish to deliver a real message of hope in these trying times. I'm particularly thankful for a lot of things this morning, but I'm most thankful at the moment for the many prayers that I know that have been offered up for my dad during this past month. My dad just a few weeks ago was given quite a, a dire prognosis, but thanks to the many prayers that I know have been offered, he's well again and he's being cared for by my sister and brother-in-law, whom I'm very thankful for too. So today, as part of my thanks, I know my dad loves his music, I know he loves his poetry, so I've written a poem for him just to summarise my message today at the end. What a year this has been, and we're only just past halfway through. In January, we witnessed the devastation of horrific bushfires which scarred our landscape, burning more than 18 million hectares of our country, destroying 3,500 homes and causing 451 fatalities. The fires never seemed to end. I remember looking out the windows at work for endless days at the blood-red skies, breathing the smoky air. 
for what seemed like forever. I spent many days in prayer wondering how my family's properties were going and wondering how they were faring. Then came the wild weather and floods of February. I remember driving a group of our pathfinders down on a February Friday evening down the south coast to our first pathfinder camp at Seven Mile Beach at Jaroa, looking at the massive cyclonic waves beating upon the shore. All up and down the north coast of our state, flooding was quickly replacing the parched, burnt fields of our landscape. I'll never forget chatting to a group of friends at our church lunch on March the 7th and learning about this dangerous new virus that had escaped in China with 11 cases of this mysterious virus now in our country. Just a week later on the 14th of March, there was barely a soul at the church lunch and a handful of us who were there were served our food by Martin and a few of his helpers. The mood was sombre and serious. Questions were flying around. There were now 49 people infected with this virus in Australia, and the rest is now the history that we are living out now. None of us have been back to church since. And to top it all off, last month an act of police violence in America sparked worldwide outrage and violent protests in many countries across our globe, with the protests being held to highlight racial inequality in addition to many, many other issues. It has been such an upheaval that the COVID-19 virus was somehow forgotten in the media for several days. Quite a feat. Several times in my deepest thoughts I've wondered, will our world ever be the same? I've craved some normalcy, times where my thoughts haven't been engrossed in the negativity of events surrounding me. I've been constantly saddened and amazed at the suffering of so many, which has driven me to my knees. The week in late March where 700,000 of our fellow Australians or 10% of our workforce lost their jobs. The inability to visit relatives and friends who were ill. Families struggling emotionally and financially. Students forced into learning online without their teachers and peers. We know this pain has touched many of us here in our church. Many have been emotionally broken by the past several months and the events of them. It's at this time that we need our Saviour more than ever. We need his loving reassurance, his forgiveness, the assurance of his grace and mercy. We need his loving embrace. He understands our pain. He knows our sufferings. We need the assurance of our salvation. We need the touch of our Master's hand. Trust in the Lord in all your ways, even when things don't look like they will end up the way you want. God sees the end of the road that we are travelling on. In Isaiah 40, verses 4 and 5, we read that every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Here we can see just how much we can trust our Lord and Saviour. It reminds me of a beautiful story which shows that no matter how much we may be beaten up in body and spirit, when the Lord comes into the picture, 
all will be restored and made better than before. The story is called The Touch of the Master's Hand, and it goes like this. Well, it was battered and scarred, and the auctioneer felt it was hardly worth his while to waste much time on the old violin, but he held it up with a smile. It sure ain't worth much, but it's all we've got left. I guess we ought to sell it too. Now who'll start the bid on this old violin? Just one more and we'll be through. And then he cried, Give me one dollar. Who'll make it two dollars? Who'll make it three? Three dollars twice? Now that's a good price. Now who's got a bid for me? Raise up your hand and don't wait any longer. The auction's about to end. Who's got four? Just one dollar more to bid on this old violin. Well, the air was hot and the people stood around as the sun was setting low. From the back of the crowd, a young girl came forward, picked up the bow. She wiped the dust from the old violin and tightened up the strings. Then she played out a melody, pure, sweet, sweeter than the angels sing. stopped and the auctioneer with a voice that was quiet and low he said what am I bid for this old violin and then he held it up with the bow and then he cried one thousand who'll make it two only two thousand who'll make it three three thousand twice now that's a good price but who's got a bid for me the people cried out what made the change? We don't understand. Then the auctioneer stopped and said with a smile, it was the touch of a master's hand. No matter how much our life may be out of tune and battered and scarred, 
particularly with the events of this year. Much like that old violin, our master understands just how much we are really worth and the change that can be wrought just by one touch of the master's hand. Let's do a study in our Bibles now from the book of John about some of the wonderful stories of the master when during his life on earth, with the touch of his hand, he was able to bring healing and life to those who needed the touch of the master's hand. Our first miracle is the water being turned into new wine. Reading together from John chapter 2, 1 to 11. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to his servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realise where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best until now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This story is at the start of Jesus' ministry on earth. It shows us how his touch brings us renewal. If we believe in Jesus, we will be personally renewed and will be a part one day soon of the earth made new. One touch of the master's hand. I want to be there. This world can only offer racism, tension, epidemics, disaster. I want to be in the earth made new with my master. Another story that tells us about the works of Jesus is in John chapter 5, 2 to 9, where we read this. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the sheep gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralysed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and, le and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. Here again we see the touch of the Master's hand. Jesus is there for you and for me at every hour of every day of our lives to heal us, 
to take away our hurt and pain. Let's now turn to John chapter 6 and verses 1 to 13, where we read about the loaves and fishes where Jesus fed the hungry multitude. Some time after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they all had had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who were eaten, had eaten. Again, here we see the touch of the Master's hand. He understands our financial needs and our burdens. He wants to supply our every need. Do you want to be touched and healed and provided for by the Master's hand? Now let's look at another story about Jesus' ministry and how with the touch of Jesus' hand he healed the man who was blind from birth. Let's look at this story in John 9, 1-7. And he went along. He saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Here again we see the touch of the master's hand. In this healing, in this passage, we see healing and salvation in Jesus and a demonstration of the grace and blessings freely available to you and me. Now let's look at the story of Lazarus in John 11, 3 to 15 and John 11, 21 to 27. Here we read that Jesus received a message that Lazarus was sick and would come and heal him. Jesus delayed his departure before he left to see Lazarus. Here we read, So the sisters sent word to Jesus, 
Lord, the, lo the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they will see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going now to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he had meant natural sleep. So when he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you might believe, let us go to him. Continuing now with verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Again, here we see the touch of the Master's hand. Again, we see that if we believe in Jesus and follow him, that we too will conquer death and have everlasting life in him who came and died on Calvary for you and for me. And no matter what this world throws at us, even death itself, we can conquer that through the touch of our Master's hand. In Psalm 103, 2-5, we read, Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion? Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? I would like to share a saying with you. The writer is unknown. My life is but a weaving between my Lord and me. I cannot choose the colours as he worketh steadily. The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skilled hand as the threads of the gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. Jesus has his hands on our everyday lives. No matter how we may struggle from day to day, no matter our anxiety, he has complete control over everything, every day of our lives. God is able to change any heart and make any life worth living to those who feel broken, tired, worthless and unworthy. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above, above all that we may ask or think. All we have to do 
is to get on our knees and ask. Job 8.21 says, He will yet fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouts of joy. If you sometimes feel like that old violin, particularly with the events of this year, then I encourage you to seek a touch of the Master's hand and he is faithful to do for you all that you ask of God. We may have been burned by the fires of life. We may be charred from our struggles and strife. Give it all to the Master and take his hand. If we're flooded with burdens and overwhelmed with sin, if we feel we are unworthy and our struggles wear us thin, give them all to the Master and take his hand. If the world in which we're living has us caged in and fearful, the stresses and strains make us anxious and tearful, reach out to the Master and take his hand. If we feel helpless and alone, as we watch others deal with pain. We wonder why the sunshine is gone and all we're left with is rain. Tell it to the master and take his hand. If we've lost our means or income and we're struggling to keep up the fight, the road ahead is confronting. We feel helpless. Each day seems like night. The master has promised to supply our needs. Just take his hand. If we feel our wounds are far too deep to heal, our past too confronting, that the scars they just won't anneal, seek forgiveness in the Master and take his hand. If we've been wounded by others from some we hold dear, if there seems no resolution, just days filled with anxiety and fear, our Master was rejected and despised, just take his hand. If we've said goodbye to a loved one, a spouse, mother or father, daughter or son, our loss is felt by our Heavenly Father who watched as they crucified his son. Give our sorrow to the Master and take his hand. If our world seems dark and foreboding, a long tunnel without a ray of light, our burdens overwhelm us and we've got little strength left to fight. Our master fell under the burden of the cross. Take his nail-scarred hand. If we just accept our master and place ourselves at his feet, he'll journey on our path with us. He'll make all our ends meet. Our master longs to make our path straight. He longs to take our hand. He knew us before we were even formed. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. He knows this life isn't always easy, but he longs to carry us out of the shade. We may not always know his special plans, but in faith, please take his hand. His rewards for us are eternal. If we'll just take our master's hand, we'll inherit eternity in just a short while and live forever in the promised land. By his scars, we are victorious. We have victory in our Master's hand. Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much that you are there for us. And despite what has happened to us, what is happening to us, we can always look forward 
to being on our knees and asking you for your mercy, your forgiveness, your healing, your grace. Thank you for being there for us. We ask this in your name. Amen.